Hello and welcome to the ETOF21 Sports Podcast. My name is Eric, the man behind ETOF21 Sports. You can find my work at ETOF21 Sports on Twitter, Instagram, and yes, TikTok. Also, all my horse racing bets can be found on ETOF21 Sports underscore horse underscore racing. How is everyone doing today? Is your state opening up yet? I'm here in the Chicago suburbs and my downtown area opened up last night and I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to go down there for a while. I already don't trust people as is, and now you're asking me to trust someone that I don't know that they're going to take the right precautions if they aren't feeling well not to go someplace. I mean, everyone's been locked up for so long. Everyone's raring to get out. People are going to be freaking stupid. So even if you are a little bit under the weather, they're probably like, oh, you know, I've been inside. I probably don't have it. I'm just going to go out. And then you're at risking other people. I mean, the hair cuttery person out east somewhere, she got 400 people infected or some crazy stuff like that. So I'm not going to be going out for a while. And then my Bucks rep, he emailed me and he asked if I wanted to re-up my season ticket package for next year. And I told him, no, you want me to go to an enclosed stadium with people I don't know (laughs) who, oh, I'll just go to the game anyway, I'll feel better once I get a couple of drinks in my system. Hell no. Hell no. I mean, I love going up to the Bucks games, and I'm not going to be going up there probably next year at all. I don't want to put my family at risk and my health at risk just because someone just wanted to go to a game and had a little bit of a temperature and was carrying the disease and didn't know it. But, I mean, that's everyone has their personal opinions of what's safe and what's not. Hell, some people don't even want to wear a mask. And the funny thing to me is these people are flipping out about wearing masks. In Chicago, where I live, in fact, Illinois for that matter, you have to wear a mask if you're going into like a Target or the Jewel, Mariano's, Walmart, you know, wherever. You have to like wear a mask. So it's been mandated by the government. And now people are flipping out that they have to wear a mask. I, I don't know. I mean, everyone gets everyone has their opinion. Don't get me wrong. I mean, everyone can have an opinion. Everyone can think what they want to think. But, you know, if it's mandated by the government and and you have to wear one, if it's a store policy, you have to wear one. Some stores in some states don't have that policy. If that's the case, you don't want to wear one, just go to that. Just go to that store. Problem solved. Uh, We have a great show for you today. We're going to talk a little bit about the future of MLB. We're going to talk about my UFC picks for the UFC fight card tonight and then this week's special guest is Brandon from Off the Post Boston Sports on Instagram and his Twitch is Top of the Grids I Am Sports. So he's going to come in we're going to talk a little bit of NASCAR because the Bristol race is tomorrow. So we got a great, uh, great show for you guys today. So let's jump in and let's talk about the future of MLB. MLB offer to the player union was crazy, in my opinion. The player union already agreed to take a pay cut. Now you want them to take another pay cut? So let's think about that for a second. Let's say your job, your whatever you do, they come at you and they're like, hey, with the COVID-19, we need you to cut your salary by X. And you agree to it because you know long term you're going to be making more money, which these MLB players clearly know. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure that out. But then after a month and a half, your boss comes back and is like, hey, you know what? We need you to take another pay cut. How would you react? Just think about that for a minute. Don't think about the money involved. How would you react? 
you'd be pissed. You'd be pissed to the point where you'd quit or look for a, a future in another job. And that's pretty much the facts because you're taking this substantial pay cut. Baseball stars could be upset and they could just say, hey, I don't want to risk my health. I'm just not going to play. And then you have replacement players out there and that's going to hurt the sport too. So there's a game on ESPN and Mike Trout isn't playing. Is the casual fan going to watch it? No, the casual fan won't watch it. If a kid is a big Mike Trout fan and he's not playing, are they going to watch a game? No. According to Chris Kavaras, the numbers of kids playing Little League has decreased every year since 2007. If baseball isn't on TV and parents can't take their kids to it, it's going to lose that kid that could possibly play the game because they fell in love with the game watching it and the athletic kid goes to a different sport and plays that game. And you're not going to be getting the athletes in the game. And that's a big problem right now. The athletes in America, the younger kids, they are not playing baseball. They're not being drawn in. Because you guys have to understand, take someone who's athletic, like Mike Trout. Mike Trout got drawn into baseball. If he was drawn into tennis, golf, football, basketball, he'd be a, since he's so athletic, he'd be good in that sport. But he got drawn into baseball. So my point is this is if it's not on TV and a parent, mom or dad, can't take their kid to the game, how are they going to get that young athletic kid in the game to help build it? Because sports, when you come down to it, they, they need stars to survive. And right now, who are the stars in baseball? Just think about that. Who do you turn a game on that's on ESPN to see? Mike Trout, maybe? Besides that, who? Kristen Yelich? There's... There's not many top-of-the-line stars in baseball right now that are drawing those fans. And that's my other point, is right now baseball is a regional sport. It's not like NBA and NFL that's a nationwide sport. I mean, look at these Thursday night games. You have the Titans and the Jaguars play, and you have tons of people turning in to watch that. But yet, you could have an MLB game on ESPN, and the numbers won't be anywhere near that. MLB is in a tough position right now because it has to think outside the box and the owners don't do that. The owners have tunnel vision and only look at something one way. And they're stuck in their ways and that's preventing them from taking advantage of this lull right now in sports. You look at KBO, UFC, NASCAR, Bundesliga, they're all playing right now. And their popularity is growing and they're gaining fans. They're gaining fans. The betting handle in these sports have taken a huge hit and is at an all-time high. And because people are betting on it, they're starting to draw into it. I never bet Bungus League before, but now I'm, like, drawn into it. I have, like, teams I like, and I'm betting every week. So i am gotten drawn into it. If, and right now, that's a big if, MLB comes back, it's going to be competing against the NHL playoffs, NBA playoffs, college football, and NFL. It has no chance. It has no chance to attract their current fans or any new fans going up against those. Because think about it. Let's say you are at home and there is a Game 7 of the NHL, Game 7 NBA, 
or a regular season game on Rangers and Athletics? Which game are you going to watch? Obviously, the playoff game where there's something important on the game where one team will go home, another team will advance. The only people that will watch baseball in that situation are the people that already do watch the game. So you're not attracting anyone. You're not growing. They have to grow the game. They have to think outside the box. And I heard this quote, and I'm spacing on who said it. They said the fall of empires is not seeing their weakness. And MLB right now doesn't see their weakness. They're not, they don't see that they're losing fans, and this is going to cause fans to go away from the game. In fact, the little fans they have are going to go away. So, I mean, you're decreasing and upsetting the people that like the sport right now. When MLB had its strike in 1994, the start of the 1995 season saw the TV rankings and attendance drop. Some say that MLB still really hasn't fully recovered from that mess yet. And at the end of the day, it's all about greed and it's about money. With the owners, it's about greed and it's about money. And they want their money. My personal problem is the spreadsheets of what these MLB teams make, they're not open right now to the public. So no one knows how much money Team A, B, C, or D makes. I don't know right now. Are the White Sox turning a profit? Are the Cubs turning a profit? Are the Dodgers turning a profit? We don't know that. So we really don't know how strung up for money these owners are. And when people say, oh, it's going to hurt them not having fans in the game, okay, but think about it. How much money won't they have to spend now? You won't have the food cost. You won't have the vendor's cost. Your security costs will be dramatically down. So, I mean, you're cutting costs. Yeah, you're losing the revenue of the ticket money. And, like, because the spreadsheets aren't public, we don't know, like, what percentage they are of every team. But you're also going to lose a couple overhead costs, which are going to help your bottom line. Another problem, now this is just off the path completely that I have with baseball, is I really feel they need a salary cap. They don't have a salary cap. And the sport is totally unfair because you have these super teams, not super teams, excuse me, the big market teams, the Dodgers, the Red Sox, the Yankees, that overspend and spend way more than everybody else. So baseball already, because of that money right there, isn't even a fair sport in my eyes. You got teams that can spend an absorbent amount of money, and then you got the teams that just produce, produce younger talent, and then when that young talent, they can't afford it, they trade it for more young talent. I would love to see baseball adapt a salary cap. If it adapts a salary cap, we can at least get everything a little bit more tiered so it's fairer for the other teams. So I really feel, I mean, I'm recording this on May 30th. I feel if MLB doesn't come to an agreement by June 5th, which is Friday coming up, I feel it's done and for the year, and I feel if it's done for the year, Hell, I think the sport could be done in the long term. Short term, yeah, you know, it'll survive. But long term, not being able to get that kid, that athletic kid to play the game. Yeah, it's going to hurt. It's going to hurt. What do you guys think? Do you guys think MLB is done? Do you think it's going to go on? Do you think the season has a chance? It's interesting to think a sport that we all grew up playing or watching. I mean, I played Little League. Could be gone. America's pastime could come to an end because how they're handling this COVID-19 pandemic. All right, so now let's hop into the UFC fight card tonight. 
I mean, I'll give credit what credit is due to Dana White before I hop into my plays. Him putting on all these events is what MLB should be doing. Getting the sport to the forefront to attract new fans. UFC's betting handle is way increased right now. And why is that? Because they're attracting new fans because it's the only sport in the game. And Dana White, for as much as I hate the guy, he's a smart guy and he's a smart businessman and he's doing what he needs to do to gain popularity for his sport. The first fight I'm going to bet on is Morales plus 105. I'm going to be risking one unit to win 1.05 units. I found this line on five dimes. Morales is coming in 9-4 and four off a brutal loss to Benito Lopez. Personally, I thought Morales won that fight as the stats show he outstruck Lopez. Mor- Morales definitely has the advantage on his feet in this bout. He's a better puncher and his punches bring a lot more power. This is a must win for Morales and in my eyes, I love to back fighters in this situation where their careers in the UFC are on the line because if he loses this one, I could totally see Dana White saying bye-bye. So back against the wall, fighting in a must win. I love backing fighters in this spot. Morales, plus 105, locked in. Next bet is Hill, minus 120, risking 1.2 units to win one unit. Line is on five times. Hill's a much better striker. I'm banking that he has improved his takedown defense from the last fight. He was taken down numerous times, and I'm banking that his coaches have worked on that, even if it was in a shortened camp or before this COVID-19 thing, when you watch the fight, you can clearly see, hey, this is something I need to work on. So I'm banking since he is young and is an approving fighter, that has definitely improved. He has a 79-inch reach. I think because of the reach and his jab, he'll be able to have the space to keep Abreu at bay and to work the punching game. And with the power of those punches, I expect him to be able to keep the fight on the feet, stay up with the improved takedown defense, and get the victory. Minus 120. Risking 1.2 U to win 1 U. The next fight is one of the bomb plays of the night. We're going with green plus 270. Line is on five dimes. Risking 1 U to win 2.7 U's. I actually know the guy that trains green, and he's telling me green looks good. Green looks really good. So that was some good stuff to hear from green. It's a trainer. And I also, I just I just love the spot for green. I'm not going to lie. He's making his UFC debut and taking a fight on short notice. So let's look at this through the mental aspect. You have a guy in green who's accomplished his goal, and he's like, he's so pumped up for this fight right now. And he knows if he wins it, he's locked in. So look at it from that side. So you have someone fighting for something locked in and on a winning streak. I love that. And then you have Rodriguez, who is preparing for Kevin Holland. So he's preparing for another fighter. So the mental game in fighting gets overlooked so much. So you have Rodriguez, who is mentally preparing for Kevin Holland. Now he has to fight another fighter. Now I know they're supposed to fight years ago and because of injuries never happened. Rodriguez and Green... But mentally-wise, that's a big thing for Rodriguez to overcome. And this line, plus 270, is just a skew to me. There's way too much value to pass up this plus 270. I mean, Green is powerful. He fights flashy. He's going to come out, and he's going he's gonna to catch him. 
he's going to use the boxing skills. He's going to be able to catch him. I love this line plus 270. Risking 1U to win 2.7. Next fight is Cookigan plus 180 to win by decision. Again, this line is on five games. I'll be risking one unit to win 2.7 unit. On paper, this fight is about as close as it can get. Nothing drives a person more than losing. And Cook again lost to the younger Subchenko back in February. Now she's facing the older one, looking to get a little bit of revenge. I expect her to approach this fight with the same training methods that she always uses. And I give her the advantage in cardio and overall energy in the fight. I don't believe she'll be able to finish Shevchenko in the distance just because if you look at her record, 77% of her fights have gone to decision. And that's how she's won them. And I expect that trend to continue. That's why I'll play the plus 180 at great odds. So risking one unit to win 1.8. When a fighter is showing this is how they win fights time after time, and you're getting plus money, almost 2 to 1, you have to take it. The next fight, another bomb. We are going Derns by decision, plus 360, risking one unit to win 3.6. Both Derns and Kevers are coming off of losses. Derns is the much more rounded fighter, but she has never won a fight because of a knockout. All of her wins have come via decision or submission. Kervers definitely has an advantage in the stand-up game. The question is, can she defend the takedown game of Derns? Derns has been clear she wants to take the fight to the mat. With Kevers coming off a loss as well, I like her to show improved defense in her takedowns and keep the fight upright more than others are expecting. However, I do expect Derns to be able to secure some takedowns toward the ends of the rounds. That way, she'll be able to grind out a decision victory. Plus 360 to give a price to pass up, risking 1U to get 3.6 U's. Next fight, we're going with Augusto, plus 200 by decision. This line is actually from Bookmaker. When we look at these fights, it's important to remember that the UFC cage is usually 30 feet, but this one is 25 feet, so there's less room for fighters to maneuver around. That's a huge advantage for Augusto because it's going to take away Ivanov's ability to back off and have space. It will allow Augusto to keep him in front of him and to hit counters and to clinch him up and push him against the, the cage and use those leg strikes. However, Augusto, he's not going to be able to knock him down. I don't think his punches or his kicks are going to be enough to score a, a, a knockout, but they'll be enough to win the scorecards. And this plus 200 is just way too juicy of a price to pass up. If you don't want to do the prop bet, he's readily available at minus 110 on books I saw, but I totally expect this to go to the judge's card and for him to score a decision. Plus 200 via decision, risking 1U to win 2Us. And the last fight we're going to look at is we're going to be taking Burns plus 146, risking 1U to win 1.46U. I found this line on heritage.eu. Woodley was once one of my favorite fighters, and I had made a lot of money backing him back in the day. But one person in, in life is undefeated, and that's Father Time. 
age can creep up on a fighter and an athlete in general, and it's creeping up on Woodley. He's 38, close to 40, and his skills are obviously deteriorating. That was shown in his last fight against Usman. He looked bad. He looked really, really bad. I also have serious questions about Woodley's cardio. I just expect Burns' jiu-jitsu to be too much and Woodley to be lost like he looked in the Usman fight. I'm not saying Usmith and Burns are the same quality of fighters, but after what I saw in Woodley and with the age, I just can't back him. And with how good Burns has looked and the, his jiu-jitsu game, it's a no-brainer. I'll easily take the plus 146, risking one U to get 1.46 U's back in return. There you have it. Those are my UFC picks for the night. A uh, little deeper in the car than I like to be, but I really like the situation that we're in. I like the plays. And if you notice, I'm using lines from three different books. And I've talked about this before. You always want to find a book that has different lines, and you want a couple of them. I mean, I have five books, and when Vegas eventually opens up, I have a runner in Vegas where I'm able to do my action. Because you have to look at it like this. If Store A has milk for $2 and score B has milk for $5. Where are you going to go? Obviously, the cheaper place. You want the better price. And that's it with the sports book betting. You want to have the book that has the better price. So that's why I always suggest, you know, having a couple different places to lay action. And if you guys ever need advice in what sports books to use and which ones to stay away from, I'll gladly let you know. You know, feel free to drop me a line. My DMs are always open, and I always reply to them and always answer the questions to the best of my ability. All right, so now we're going to jump into our NASCAR part of it, where we're going to talk some bets and talk about a little NASCAR from Brand with Brandon from Off the Post Boston Sports on Instagram and on Twitch, Top of the Grid Sim Sports. Brandon, how are you doing today? Doing good. How about yourself? Pretty good. Pretty good. No complaints from my end. Um, stuff's starting to open up where I am. How about, how about by you? Yeah, uh, our pool in our community just opened today. Uh, not going to be one of the first people to go down yet, but, uh, the pool's open, some restaurants are open, work's starting to pick back up. So it's good to, good to see things trending in the right direction. Oh, that's for sure. That's for sure. And it's great to have sports coming back too. Um, speaking of sports, your IG page off the post Boston sports is dedicated to Boston sports. Which team in Boston is your favorite and why? Uh, I'd have to go with the Bruins. I've uh, been a hockey fan ever since I was a little kid. My dad was an uh, athletic director at an academy. And his office, it worked out perfect, his office was actually inside the hockey ring. So oh, wow. on weekends i go to work with him and he'd pull the Zamboni out and give me a fresh sheet of ice and throw some pucks out in a net. And I'd sit there and play hockey while he worked. And uh, I just like the, the, the sport in general. So if, if I had to rank them, uh, the Bruins definitely have to be at the top of the line. Okay, all right. Um, with speaking of the Bruins, the NHL has made some plans for an extended playoffs. How do you feel about that? I absolutely love it, but as sports come back, basketball is going to have to do it. All these sports, you can't just have a true playoff system. It's just not going to work. You can't expect these guys to lace up their skates and say, "All right, next Tuesday, game one, first round." It can't work that way. So I like what they've done. Uh, they're going to make the top four seeds playing like a round robin without being eliminated to do the top four seedings. And you've got the bubble teams that weren't going to get in or have the opportunity to get in now have a chance to 
to play for the Stanley Cup. And, of course, you're going to have the top teams complain if they get beat by a team that wasn't even supposed to be in the playoffs. And then you're going to have the team that wasn't supposed to be in the playoffs win the Stanley Cup. They're going to say, well, there should be an asterisk. So I don't know how you feel, but you're not going to make everybody happy. I'm just glad that they've got hockey coming back. And it's going to be fun to watch. It's going to be different without fans, though. It'll be fun to watch. Well, I'm a Red Wings fan. So, I mean, I'm going to feel good if we win the uh, the lottery system. If we don't yes. win the lottery system, <laughs> I'm going to be upset. Basically, that's yes. – basically – in terms of my fandom, that's what I'm looking forward to the most in terms of NHL. Um, do you feel the extended playoffs hurt or benefit your Bruins? Um, I'm torn right now because, yes, they're going to have to play for the number one seed, which they had the most points in the NHL. So, of course, on the fanboy side of it, I say, hey, we had the best record in the NHL. We should automatically be number one. But, again, you can't just lace up skates. And I, was, I didn't know about the round robin when they first released this. And I thought all the teams besides one through four were going to have an advantage of playing a series before these guys. But now that you have a round robin, there's going to be meaningful games. You've got the top four teams playing the, the best top four teams in the league. I think that gives them an advantage of playing a team that's on the bubble that just had a rough first five-game series against somebody. Yeah. So we'll, we'll see. We won the President's Trophy, and if – I know you know hockey well enough. Usually when you win the President's Trophy, it's actually a jinx, and it doesn't work out in your favor. Yeah, I'm unfortunately, my Red Wings back in the late mid-'90s, that happened to them. They were the president. They won the Presidents, and they lost first round. Um, yep. So you also have an, an iRacing channel on Twitch, top of the grid sim sports. I'm not going to lie. I'm really not familiar with Twitch. Why don't you explain to me what that is? Yeah, so... Uh, iRacing to kind of start that off um, I don't know if you saw it, you were actually able to bet on it, which became interesting but uh, NASCAR has had a racing simulator uh, it's owned by John Henry, the owner of the Red Sox um, it's it's a simulator these guys throughout the week, they'll practice like they're racing at Bristol Sunday these guys are on the simulator all throughout the week, besides when they're racing at Charlotte, practicing to get ready for Bristol, it is a Probably the most realistic thing I've ever done besides sitting behind the wheel of a car. Okay. Um, so what I decided to do, since it was ramping up more, I was like, well, why don't I start a Twitch channel and start broadcasting all the races that I'm in? So we have a race tonight uh, that will be – it will have a live broadcast on YouTube, and it will also be the in-car audio between me and my spotter will be uh, aired on Twitch. And it's, if you watch it, it's like, did you get to watch any of the iRacing? I watched a little bit of it. So that's exactly what it is. It's a racing simulator that is, if I had to recommend it to anybody, I would. I'm waiting for a brand new rig to come in right now, but everything's on back order due to COVID. But uh, yeah, it's a simulator. It's not a video game. It's not. I've had people come over and like, oh, can I try your video game? And they'll sit down in it and they can't turn one lap. Oh, wow. Because it, it, it's just like sitting in a real car. Wow. So someone so, like me who's never sit in a real race car, I'd probably struggle at it? It, it, it would take time. Like I literally had a friend go ahead and uh, get a new system, and when he sat down in it, he's like, oh, wow, this is uh, going to take some adjusting to do. It's the same thing as real life to where you need to do tire management, the draft is involved, side drafting is involved, pitch strategy, 
um, team communication, spotter communication. It's it's a lot of fun. I literally sit on it for hours, and uh, I'm halfway to my pro license, which the E Coca Cola series is actually a NASCAR sanctioned league on iRacing. Okay. People like. Uh, Hendrick Motorsports, he has his four real-life drivers, and then he recently hired a sim driver to where all that guy's job is to do is to do iRacing, and that's how he gets paid. Okay. Now, you said the race is tonight. What what time is the race? 10 o'clock Eastern time. Okay, and what is the YouTube channel? The YouTube channel is SimTV. S- Let me get this right. I believe it's S-Y-M. Yep, S Y M T V. Okay, and, and that's on YouTube. Yep, yeah, it's on YouTube, and it will be on. It, it will come up as Outsider Racing at Dover International Speedway. Okay, all right. Well, I'll definitely, uh, I'll definitely check that out tonight. Then awesome. I'll definitely check that out. Support you. See, uh, see how you're doing. Everything. Um, awesome. So now, since we're talking about racing, let's jump into NASCAR. How did you get into NASCAR? Uh, so my mom raced before I was even born in Maine at a local track. Uh, my grandfather was the flagman at the track. Uh, my uncle was the pit guy at the track. Uh, my dad has always been a huge NASCAR fan, so we used to go to local tracks when I was a little kid. Uh, my brother raced at Oxford Plains Speedway in Maine up until about two years ago. I'm in Charlotte, North Carolina now, which is the heart of NASCAR. I've worked on dirt track cars since I was in high school, so it's it's just always been something in my family that I'm just used to. I, when I moved down here, everybody's like, wait a second, you're from the north. You like NASCAR? And I'm like, it's, it's big up there, too. It's just a lot more smaller, smaller local tracks. It's not really televised or anything like that, but NASCAR's been in my blood for since I was born. Okay, so from the family? From the family, yeah. Okay. All right, cool, cool. Um, now, when did you start betting NASCAR? Right around 2010, 2011, uh, I, I found a website, of course, and I was sitting there messing around, and I saw they had NASCAR, and if you look at the weekly odds, it's always more money per dollar compared to if you bet on a football game and a team is a 14-point favorite and you try to bet the money line, you have to drop a lot of money just to even break even or make a bet worth anything so when i saw the plus signs next to uh every driver i was like oh well this is interesting and uh in 2011 regan smith was racing at darlington he was starting 36 i think it was he had no shot at winning the race but i saw the odds were a thousand to one so i was like ah let me throw something on it and uh he ended up winning and that's kind of what got me hooked on it because it's not it's not like when you have uh, the Rams play the Cleveland Browns, and you know going into it that that game's not even going to be worth watching. NASCAR is so different week to week that every single driver does have an opportunity depending on what happens during the race. Mm-hmm. Man, that is a hefty ticket you you cashed on Smith. I um, yeah. I'm trying to remember. A couple years ago, I cashed a big one when Austin Gillen won the um, the 600 at Charlotte. Yes, I was there. Oh, oh! I was yep. barbecuing at my buddy Dan's place, and I flipped out when he won. Yeah, it's it, you, there's so much 
excitement and heartbreak at the same time because I remember I bet on Dale Jr. years ago at Charlotte because I, I own infield spots, so I camped there for the last 15 years, and Jr. is winning on the last lap and ran out of gas. Oh, and then brutal. Chase Elliott and the Coca-Cola 600. The race was over. Somebody blew a tire. Pitch strategy got involved. That's why it's just so much fun because you're never out of it. Unless your driver is just truly wrecked and out of it that way, you're always in the bet. I know there's times you probably bet on a baseball game and it's seven to nothing in the fifth. And it's like, yep, this is over. Yep. NASCAR, you get to ride the entire race compared to any other any other betting. Yep, you're you're in it until the better to the end because so much stuff can happen. And then when you factor in rain. I mean, I, I want to bet on, uh, God, what's that kid's name? Busher, years ago, because there's one race he won, it was, rain, it was rain, and they just declared him the winner. Yes, so for those of you that don't watch a whole lot of NASCAR, once they hit halfway, it's over. If the sky opens up and they don't think they can get the track dried in X amount of time, the race is called. So you're so right about that. Weather... Weather is definitely something that you have to pay attention to at all betting aspects with all sports. Um, but with NASCAR, if you know weather's coming, it's nice to bet on somebody that is not a favorite to win the race because usually the favorite does not win that race. No, not at all. Not at all. Speaking of races, the Bristol race is hopefully running tomorrow, but with the bad luck that NASCAR has had with the rain, God only knows. Um when you're capping this race, take us through your process. What exactly do you do when you cap a race like Bristol? So I normally have three strategies. One of them due to COVID is out. But I like to look at track history. I like to look at driver momentum. Mm-hmm. And then I like to look at practice. And a lot of people don't look at practice. They look at who the favorite is based off the track history, how they ran there, and how they're running this year. To me, it's practice. Qualifying has nothing to do with a race. These guys set their car up to be very, very fast for two laps of qualifying. And then they go right back and turn it back into whatever practice that they liked best. Mm-hmm. So normally I'll go on after the first, second, third practice, and I'll look at long run practice time. So who is the fastest guy that ran a 40-lap run? Who is the fastest guy that ran a 20-lap run? Because a lot of people look at the grid and they'll say, oh, Kyle Busch was fastest in practice. Well, he only ran five laps and pulled it off. Then you have a guy that might look like he's 14th fastest in practice, but he had the best long run. Because as you know, NASCAR, besides Bristol, because it can be a rep fest, NASCAR is known to have those long green flag runs. And you want somebody that's going to be there at the end, not at the beginning. Exactly. Um, driver momentum. Uh, Chase Elliott's right up top with Kyle Busch as favored for this weekend. Because of momentum. He was going to win Darlington, got wrecked. He was going to win the 600, a caution came out. He won the truck race. He just won Charlotte on Wednesday or Thursday. He's got a lot of momentum going, and he is starting in sixth place. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to a track like Bristol, it's so short and so hard to pass. I like grabbing guys at at the top of the grid. Now, granted, it's a random draw because they're not practicing and they're not qualifying. So you might have a guy that's starting, uh, for example, Eric Almirola. He's starting second. I'm not putting any money on him. He has been inconsistent all year, and he's a guy that I feel will fall to the back. But Chase Elliott starting sixth, 
Uh, Martin Truex, who's always been good at the track, is starting fifth, and Kyle Busch is starting seventh, which, depending on your units and how, how somebody's gambling, Kyle Busch is definitely the favorite at this track. And the way last week ended, he was pretty pissed, and he's going to be ready to rebound at a track that he's won close to, I think, eight to ten times. Um, so he's definitely a guy to throw something on, but we get into that conversation, his odds are plus 450. How much are you willing to risk hoping he wins? If he gets into a wreck, you might have had to throw an X amount of units, a hefty amount, to just have some sort of payout, and now that's gone. When somebody like Matt Benedetto, he is starting ninth. He almost won last year's race. He was with a race team that had bad equipment. He's been very, very good this year, and he is sitting, I think he's 11th in points, Starting ninth at a track he almost won last year, and his odds right now are twenty-five to one, right above Boyer at twenty-nine to one. Mm-hmm. So I like someone like him because small unit, bigger payout. Okay, so have you locked in Demidetto, or is that just kind of like someone you're looking at? No, I've locked him in. Okay. Uh, Yep, I locked him in. I locked Alex Bowman in at 16-1 to 1 because he's been really strong. Uh, he was going to contend for the win on Thursday, but hit the wall. Um, the only thing, Bowman, he's starting 11. Another guy that's really just kind of sneaking under the radar that has great track history at Bristol is Kyle Busch's brother, Kurt Busch. Yep. Um, he's got one he, win there, right? Uh, he's got... Yeah, he's got at least one recently, and then he won a couple further back. But he uh, he absolutely is a guy that I would look at sitting fourteen to one. Decent price. That's a good price. The only bet I've locked in is I actually locked in. You mentioned him earlier, Clint Boyer at twenty nine to one. I kind of like his history at this track. Um, yep. What do you What do you think about that bet? So yeah, I like him. Um, thing about Clint is you're literally doing a coin flip no matter where he is. Um, he's had some really bad luck. He's personally one of my favorite drivers. Um, he's great with the fans. I've been able to have a drink with him before. Just just a very, very good guy. Um, I like him on a week-to-week basis because he is that flip of a coin. And when I make bets like this, I like people that it's, hey, he's either going to do really good or really bad, so I'm going to go with him anyways because he does have that upside. And twenty nine to one, that that's a huge number to be able to throw some units on somebody. Yeah, I mean, I'm throwing half a unit on him, and I mean that's fourteen and a half ROI, so I can't complain on that with his track history. No, and the the, the sad part is, like I told you the other day, I had Chase last week to win. I had Chase over Truex, Blaney over Bowman, and Reddick over Almarola, and I hit them all. But we can go into this race and it just be completely backwards. Yeah. That's the only thing people have to understand when they are looking for advice in NASCAR. It's easy to be able to give the advice, and it is easy to be 100% wrong with that advice, but not due to how knowledgeable you are, but based off how the race turned out. Yeah, because there can be like a million like freaky things happen. Um, you could, They could take the green tomorrow at 2.30 and half the field get wrecked on the second lap, and that's out of your control. I, I kind of try to compare it as, it's like if you had 
going going back to football, or yeah, just going back to football. If you had Aaron Rodgers for the Green Bay Packers going against the Carolina Panthers, and Rodgers blew his knee out on the first play, yep. that's how I look at a bad bet when it comes to NASCAR. Somebody blowing their knee out football that was a key player, and then there being a big wreck on the first couple laps of a race. Yeah, because the Xfinity race, God, I had. Ross Chastain to win, and I had Healy over Hersp, and Chastain crashed, took out Haley, so I lost both my bets. So I had Noah Gregson and Austin Sindrick, the 22 and the 9, and they were both 1-2 with 22 laps to go. And I looked right at my wife, and I said, I'm set up to win, and I'm going to lose. She's like, what do you mean? I said, just wait for it. And of course... um, Gregson caused a big wreck. Austin Sindrick had to avoid it and failed on both those bets. Yeah, I mean, so much can just turn on a dime. I mean, I had Crafton in the truck series, and unfortunately something happened with his ride, and I lost my head-to-head in that one. Um, speaking now, I'll, t- I'll oh, tell you ahead. this. I, I talked about how I wouldn't bet on somebody like Kyle on, with, the, with the payout being so low. When Kyle runs a truck race... I'm definitely putting money on him because every single week he is up front in a truck. Unless another NASCAR driver is running in that race like Chase did the other day, mm-hmm. it's always nice to bet on a NASCAR driver that is running in Xfinity or a uh, truck race. 100%. Oh, just because the skill is just so much more. It's so different, yes. Um. Now, with head-to-heads, are there any head-to-heads you've looked at this weekend that you like at Bristol or not? I have not. I tried to I tried to see what they had for head-to-head, and I couldn't get it to come up before we got on the call. Okay. All right. Um, I mean... Head-to-head, I, I try to go more... I, it's so hard right now due to the fact that there is no practice, but I like betting on head-to-head when there are practice times out. Okay. So, like... Hypothetically, we'll take someone like like you mentioned, Amarola, who has a bad history at this track. I believe um, since 2018, his average position of finish is 25th. You wouldn't look yep. to just fade him just based on that history. You would want the practice intel as well. So I would still so I would take the history, like I said, track history with the driver. If he went out and practiced and he was 10th fastest. But there's somebody that he's had to head against that was 15 fastest. I'm still going to go with the other guy based off of how bad Almirola's history is. Okay, all right. Um, short tracks like this position. If one guy's starting six and the other guy's starting 15, I'm automatically going with the guy six. Okay. Because it's such it's so hard to pass at this track. Oh, so hard to pass. It's. It's brutal. I mean, like, you're exactly right. you got to get that front position, and if you're in the rear, it's it takes a mammoth crash for you to have any chance to, like, getting some positioning. The things I 100% stay away from week after week, you see some of these guys' odds are 3,000 to 1, 2,500 to 1. The equipment that those guys are driving, like Garrett Smithley, Brandon Gauvin, uh Brandon Poole, Corey LaJoy, their equipment is horrible. Yeah. It's basically comparing a Lamborghini to a Volkswagen. Yep. Like, 
they're not going to have, no matter how the race turns out, unless it is one of those crazy rain delay things, they're not going to win. So do not spend your money on that giant of odds. Put it on somebody that's 60 to 1 or 50 to 1 or 40 to 1 before dropping any type of money on a guy that, no matter what happens, will not win the race. Yep, exactly. Exactly. Couldn't agree with you more. Um, is there one piece of advice you'd give out to people betting NASCAR if you're like, hey, stay away from this, what you just did, but or to look for this, or is there just one piece of advice you'd give out? I'd stay away from trying to listen to multiple sources. I, I've caught myself into that to where, whether it's setting a DraftKings lineup or it's, or it's just trying to get advice, I would focus on one person to really zone in on that has done well and given good advice rather than searching NASCAR picks for this week. Oh, okay, this guy likes Chase Elliott. NASCAR picks for this week. All right, what that guy says, he kind of likes Chase but really likes Kyle. You start to get into too much of a, uh, who, who do I listen to? Who do I listen to? Go based off of how accurate people have been on a consistent basis when it comes to looking for advice. Okay. If they won one week but lost four weeks in a row, then yeah, don't pay attention to what they're saying. Now, like I said, you can't factor in on a week-to-week basis because I hit all my picks last week. I may lose all my picks this, this week, especially after doing this podcast with you. I probably will lose everything tomorrow just because that's the way it goes. But consistency is key when it comes to research and what you're going to do. Just stick with somebody for a season and ride with that person. Yeah, I mean, it's the old thing. If something works, you do it. If something doesn't work, then you don't do it. I mean, it's basically like that in every, every, uh, everything in life. Um, speaking of DFS NASCAR, um, do you play that as well? Every week. Okay. I play the trucks, Xfinity, and, and Cup every single week. What is one of the – do you do the same strategy kind of setup? when you're building a DFS lineup compared to betting, or do you look at those things as two completely different things? So a DFS setup is so much different only because at a track like Bristol, it's short with a lot of laps. You get DFS, you get the most points for most laps led and position uh, differential. So I like to grab somebody that's in the front row at a track like Bristol. So if they get out front and stay out front for 50 laps, there's my 50 points right there. No matter, mm-hmm. Even if they finish further back, not all the way back, but they finish further back, I already made up that place differential with the amount of laps that were led. Now, you go to a bigger track, you always want to pick who's fast, period. But if you pick who's fast, then you're using up a lot of your money. Yep. So you want to try and grab somebody that you think or you've heard or talked to somebody that thinks, okay, this guy is going to finish in the top three. He's been fast all week in practice. That's where he's going to be. Where the catch comes in, you need to drop yourself all the way to somebody that's around anywhere from 26 to 36 and pick somebody that's in a decent set of equipment that can finish a race in the middle of pack just to be able to get that points differential. Okay. Um, like I, I had Corey LaJoy the other day. I thought for sure he's he's in go fast racing. I know them personally. They're just a one man, one one shop, one car. That's it. No teammates, no anything. So they have to outsource a lot of their equipment. Well, they're getting basically getting hand me down equipment. 
He is a good driver. He can finish races in the top 20 if something doesn't happen. Like, he doesn't get caught up in a wreck with a bunch of bad people in the back. But you got to really try to grab a guy that nobody's talking about, nobody's heard of, but is in a decent set of equipment based off of uh, who they're driving for that week. Okay. All right. Yeah, I haven't done much um, NASCAR DFS, but I'll definitely, um, after that advice, take a take a look at it. Um, Brandon, I'd like to thank you for coming on and talking NASCAR and everything. Why don't you tell everybody uh, where to find you? Yeah, guys, uh, thank, first off, thank you for having me on. Um, if you're a Boston fan, guys, off the post, Boston sports, it's all Boston, all sports, all the time. Um, when it comes to Twitch, Facebook, uh, for the sim racing, it's top of the grid sim sports. Uh, just download Twitch or go go on your laptop, computer, uh, twitch.com. It will notify you guys when we go live. Again, we got a race at 10 o'clock tonight at Dover, so if you can join, it'd be awesome. The more people the better trying to uh, work up some sponsorships. So the more people, the better, guys. Thanks a lot for coming on. Really appreciate it. Best of luck to you tonight in your race. I'll be sure to have it on, and uh, we look forward to talking to you in the future. Awesome. Thanks, guys. So I definitely thank Brandon for coming on. Great follow at Off the Post Boston Sports if you're into Boston sports. Puts up stuff. Very knowledgeable about it. And then... Follow him on Twitch. Make sure you check out the iRacing tonight. I'll definitely have it on supporting him. A lot of good intel about betting NASCAR and putting together a DFS lineup. If you guys are looking to get into that, definitely imply the strategy he was laying out. Also, I have a big announcement to make. With sports still not back, stuff is going to get can you be free on the site. I've originally said June, but... I mean, stuff isn't here yet, so I will continue to give out the free stuff until MLB, NBA, NHL, all that stuff kind of gets going. So it's looking like probably the middle of July, end of July. That's when I'll start doing the whole uh, package stuff. So if you guys did sign up for a package, your money has been refunded. If you guys are interested, because I've had a couple of guys hit me up, I will definitely um, reach out to you when that time comes. In terms of the horse racing stuff, I'm going to be starting to doing more coaching because stuff is opening up in Illinois, so I'm not going to have the freedom to post stuff as much as I could. I could post stuff early in the mornings, but I'm just not going to do that. If I have time to cap a track, I will post stuff. So I have made the decision for the horse racing stuff in terms of win bets. That is going to actually continue to be free probably for the rest of the year just because I just wouldn't feel right if I can't give all the attention that I have been giving to it now and what the ROI shows that I have been and charging you guys for a service where I can't give it my full attention and with me going back to coaching a little bit more and I'm just not going to be able to do stuff on the Wednesday or Thursdays that I have been doing. Weekends are fine, but the Wednesday, Thursday, Friday stuff that I have been posting, I won't be able to do on a consistent basis. So, that stuff will continue to be free on etof 21 sports underscore horse underscore racing. Check that out. Thanks for listening here on May 30th. And I will see you guys on Monday.